You're listening to The Broken Meeple Show, a podcast that speaks passionately about board games for the benefit of those who play them. My name's Luke Hector, best known for The Broken Meeple YouTube channel, and I'm an everyday gamer just like you. And I'll be talking about reviews, top tens, and just about anything that connects me to board games, as long as I have a tea or coffee in hand, that is. So grab a cup, relax, and enjoy. And remember, it's only a game. Hi everyone, Luke Hector here. I'll get through this podcast uh, as best as I can because uh, for several reasons I'm a little bit on the tired side today. Firstly, got a bit of a headache, but I'm gonna like you know soldier through it anyway. Secondly, I'm now got two weeks off work, and even though work is gonna find every excuse possible to drag me back into the remote office, you know during the week because as a tax manager you cannot escape your job. So I'm sure even though I've got two weeks off, they'll find a way to drag me back for some emergency means. I already know Monday's gonna be a bit like that, so uh, well. Uh, I guess that's what happens when you've got a day job that isn't board game related. But thirdly, the clocks went forward last night in the UK and that took me by surprise. So I stayed up late watching Invincible, the new series on Amazon Prime, and got so hooked on it that I stayed to watch all three episodes and then didn't realise as soon as my phone went from, uh, I think like straight from 12 o'clock to 2 o'clock or something, you know, or, or whatever, you know, it did the hour shoot forward. It's like, uh-oh. I didn't realize that one o'clock was going to become two o'clock like that. Ah, no. And then I just realized I haven't had much sleep. So, uh, yeah, a little bit on the uh, tired side, but don't worry, I will soldier on. So, in terms of this episode, we've got channel updates as normal. I've got a little bit of board gaming news to report on, but not a lot. It's been a fairly quiet couple of weeks, I would say. And obviously, uh, a channel shout out as normal. But I also want to talk about the Dice Tower Award nominations. So first up, channel updates. Not too bad, but still a little bit demoralizing in some areas. Because as I look through the content that I've done, I've done quite a bit lately in terms of you know, reviews and a, even an interview with, um, well, let's start from the end, shall we? I just did a collaboration with uh, the Hexy Beast for things we look for in solo mode. So that was a, a good, cool stream. No top li 10 list or anything. We just talked about solo modes in general and got the chat involved. Obviously, it's early days, only 500 views. But like I say, we only aired it last night. So it's early days yet. Although 90, you know, free dislikes. I want to know who these people are, seriously, who dislike videos just for the sake of being a troll. You know, is it just bots or is it just people who have got nothing better to do but hate on other creators? I don't know. But it's like, what is there to hate? Okay, fine. If you don't like the content, fine. But there's no reason to thumb down things just because you're not a fan of it. I don't go around thumbing down everything that shut up and sit down make. It's like, you know, so there's levels of like, you know, just don't be a troll, basically. But, you know, that was pretty good fun. And uh, obviously before that, there was the top 10 campaigns in uh, board games uh, with side games. That was a good one. We actually went back and forth on grilling each other's choices quite a lot there. But still, not as many views as I would have liked for a collab, at least not compared to some of the other collaborations I've done, like, you know, Board Game Perspective, Ryan and Bethany, Board Gaming Ramblings, and uh, the non-live one with Jonah One Pit Wonder. I've all had, you know, a lot more activity, but for some reason, the collabs lately have just not as much. And I wonder if that's because of, the fact that I've moved, you know, the last couple have been, well, no, no, he's American, he's British. I mean, I thought it might be a British thing, you know, because most people aren't that interested in British content creators. But, you know, no, I've had some Americans on that. I think it just depends on the topic area, I guess. But as I say, be be sure to check out these videos, please, if you can, because I know they're long, but just listen to them in podcast form. That works. You don't have to see the images. 
but it, it was it does it gives that little bit of an extra way to help small creators uh in terms of normal videos i did a interview with chris bedell christopher bedell sorry he doesn't like being called chris apparently uh for the creator designer of sentinels in the multiverse um i had an hour-long interview with him on zoom and I've never seen a designer talk more passionately about board games of any description in their life. I mean, this guy goes off on tangents and that, but he is very excited about this definitive edition of Sentinels in the Multiverse. And to be honest, so am I. I mean, I thought it was going to be like, well, why would I even have a care for it? I already own the entire collection and fan-made stuff. But no, there's some good changes coming in this new edition where I'm like, hmm, okay, fair enough. Even I'll jump in on this. On top of that, there was a Blitz review of Maglev Metro. Uh, shall we say I don't hate it, but then I didn't necessarily love it either. So it's a bit of a mixed bag, that one, in terms of my verdict. It'd be good to get some more views on that. Even Bezier Games gave their blessing. So, you know, it's good that a publisher respects people for reviewing games regardless if they give them a 10 out of 10 or not. Although, speaking of that, go check out the Whistle Mountain review where I literally go off on a high note trying to talk about that one. That was such a good game. Uh, I've also done a Beyond the Base game uh review for the days of the siege campaign for this war of mine and that's probably the newest stuff actually since the last episode i did because i think i already talked about the reactions to the board game cull did i not uh maybe i didn't maybe i didn't but just in case yes i did a reaction video to board gaming ramblings uh keep or covid keep or cull video one of their recent ones all in jest, good fun, people seem to have enjoyed it, it's had a fair few, uh, shall we say, thumbs down, 20 thumbs down from people who don't understand the con the difference between a, a video making, uh, you know, in light-hearted jest and a mean video taking the mick out of someone, but oh well, you can't always instruct those 20 people, you know, in some way, they've all got their specific ideologies or whatever, so it's like, seriously, the, the video was a bit of fun, I mean, the two Johannes and Sunover watched the video and laughed their heads off. I mean, they loved it. So if the creators of the video I'm talking about like it, then how can you 20 people have a problem with that? And there'll be more in the works because I, I enjoyed doing it and I want to do a few more. So I've got a reasonably lengthy one coming soon um, that I need to edit for the top 10 of all time as done by Board Game Perspective. I have reacted to that video. So I'll be putting that one out soon. But yeah, I mean, like I say, I thought it was a fun idea. It's not something I'm going to do stupidly regularly, but it's just another thing for the channel. Just, uh, just a bit of a shame that you do have some people who just don't understand the idea of a fun video, to be honest. I mean, uh, what, is it not cringy enough for you? I don't know. <laughs> I think this headache is having an effect. But uh, yeah, so general, you know, I've enjoyed the stuff I've put out and I've got some cool stuff on Horizon. I've done some polls where I've asked people like, you know, would this idea work? And I'm going to do more cull videos. I've recorded like four or five of them yesterday. Basically, rather than do a group of cull videos, I'm going to do one video per game I cull and talk for less than seven, six, seven minutes about each one. I feel that, why should I do it as a group? Why don't I just do one at a time? Because then that means content can come out regularly. I can like space it out over the course of a couple of weeks, you know, a month or something. And it helps me with my scheduling. So it's like, fair enough. I've got four of those I think I've recorded. But I've also got that reaction video, as I said. There needs to be a comparison video of Dice Hospital versus Dice Theme Park at some point. I've got a prototype of that, although I've got to find a copy of the rules because they didn't put any in the box, so I'm going to have to find that online. On top of that, what else is there, really? Uh, I knew I was going to do some more videos on top of that. Uh, oh, yes, I was going to contemplate a series. Uh, I don't know what to call it yet. Maybe the test of time, or maybe that's just the theme of it. But basically, where I said... 
like in the past I did like why Citadels had gone up in my ratings, why Cooper Island um, had gone down, as well as these coal videos. I also wanted to talk about uh, like games that have been in the collection for a while. And then I can, rather than saying, oh, my rating's gone up or down, I want to say how the game has fared over time. So, for example, one of my first ones could be Flashpoint Fire Rescue, the first game I ever reviewed. It's been in my collection for, what, like six, seven years now, probably seven odd years. Does it still hold up after seven years? Well, that's what the video would be for. On top of that, it'd be good to do some acquisition videos, you know, as well as saying, oh, here's five minutes saying why I culled a game. Five minutes saying why I bought a game might be interesting. Now, review copies are different. I get those, if I get those, they're usually for free. So they kind of, shall we say, uh, try to think of the word, they, they influence, you know, you're kind of influenced as to why you got them because it's a free copy. But ones that I pull the trigger and say, right, I'm going to spend my hard-earned money on these games. Like, for example, I have recently just pulled the trigger on Spirit Island and Branch and Claw. Yes, finally, I've bought myself a copy. So I'm going to play that solo rather than multiplayer and see if the solo is really what I've been missing out on. But on top of that, I've also pulled the trigger on Circadian's First Light as a result of watching um, Board Gaming Ramblings uh, video where they kept this one. I've been thinking about buying this game for a long time or at least checking it out. And I figured, you know what, now's a good time. So I decided to use my last gift voucher on that one and we'll see whether that's a good solo game for me as well like i say i'll play it multiplayer when lockdown ends but as i say we're not going to get that for a while although i have had word from a couple of friends who as the lockdowns are now starting to ease a little bit they're more willing to come over so maybe i'll be able to get some multiplayer fun soon but uh yeah still waiting impatiently for a chance to just get out there because as a solitude is not doing me any good although honestly i'd much rather get a haircut right now 12th of april i will camp outside the nearest barbers and get them to advise me on the beard sort out my hair i'm gonna look like a new man on the 12th and i'll also be able to start going back to my massage therapist after then so i can like help with the stress relief but also you know doing the day job and the blog but also then I'll be able to go back to the gym. I'm going to go back three times a week, minimum. I mean, if I can go back more often, I will. But I'm going to do minimum three times a week at the gym from 12th of April onwards. Get back into the swing of weightlifting that I've missed out. Because I have just had no motivation to exercise lately. Not even go out for runs. Every time I think like I'm going to go out for a run, I just can't be bothered. Because I've either had no time to do it because of day job really sucking up my time lately. And also all these videos I'm doing. But just the fact that, well, it's only going to be like one run every now and again. It's not enough. I need to get back into the gym and really, you know, get my muscle back because I am just wilting away at this point. Absolutely withering away except for my stomach, which is trying to expand. So it's a, not a good style for that. But yep, like I say, things are on the mend. April, I think, is going to be a... April's going to be a better month. I mean, my birthday is this Easter weekend as well. I'm going home to visit the folks for Easter weekend. So that'll be nice, you know, to calm down in the midst of Somerset. And then 12th of April, some of the lockdown stuff eases. So we can only hope that maybe I can just chill for the next two weeks while I'm on holiday. I mean, I say chill. I want to do blog stuff. Yes. And obviously work's going to try and drag me in whenever it can. Yes. But other than that, it is essentially two weeks off. I'm going to try and use those two weeks as best as I can. I just hope that time doesn't accelerate like crazy like the last holiday I had. So hopefully this will be a nice period of relaxation. But yeah, as I say, I wish there was some more views on these. I don't know if YouTube is just like deliberately blocking some of my stuff from view because some of this stuff should be getting more views. I mean, it's making me wonder if I should even bother doing reviews. Not the channel, don't you know? get me wrong, but 
if reviews get so few views i mean i did a like you know what was the last good one i had a honey buzz two and a half thousand been out since early march i would have expected it to have done a bit better than that but you know i'll take it honey buzz did all right but then whistle mountain still only at 1400 i mean wasn't whistle mountain a really popular game that people wanted to know about it just and even like maglith metro you know not even a thousand at this point i mean granted it's only been four days but you know people can get a thousand views just by blinking at the moment and let's face it what seems to be the popular video at the moment it's you know we've got a video from Rodney Smith telling us to be good people okay what we needed to teach our grandmother to suck eggs it's not difficult to you know I know what I know how to be nice I don't need a video telling me how to do it and then the next most popular video I see trending is a video about cleaning up your board games okay it's like have reviews just gone the way of the dodo and now it's just whatever weird joke you can come up with I don't know but as I say that is the way of YouTube that is the life of a small content creator Speaking of which, let's give a good shout out here. So let's go on to my YouTube, which is probably populated with all the sorts of uh, CW and various uh, Nostalgia Critic, Tom Baker and a few other bits and bobs. Yeah, there's all sorts there. But need a channel to shout out about. Let's, uh, well, why not? Why not shout out about her, actually? Because I, you know, had her on the channel uh uh, earlier in the month and it's been quite a popular video it's been quite a good one for engagement but i want to give a shout out to the lovely jonah from one pit wonder because you know 1000 1.27k subscribers that is way too low she is lovely she's adorable she's got a family she's got kids so she looks at various kid games as well she's a big fan of uh, spirit island so she's even done these videos where she's talking about specific uh like spirits um i I think there was, I swear there was more than one, but she does a lot of content, so maybe it's just kind of varied, but she's a big fan of Spirit Island, so to be honest, if I need help with Spirit Island, I know exactly who I'm going to turn to for, you know, first bits of help on there, but something like this, like, top 10 games for pre-kindergarten and kindergarten kids, how many people do you know out there who do this kind of video? You know, I can't do a top 10 game for kids, I don't play with kids enough, and most people don't either, but... Are you telling me that 182 views is justified for a video that I think is really, really useful to parents out there? Seriously, you got kids? Go watch this video. Go find... I mean, I, you know, I, I haven't heard of most of the games on the list, to be honest, because I don't play kids' games. But seriously, there's got to be parents out there who would find that useful, surely. But there's all sorts of other stuff. I mean, she does great thumbnails. And as you can see from all her thumbnails, and even when she appeared on my show... She doesn't stop smiling. <laughs> it's like, I don't think you can make Jonah miserable if you tried. She's just like constantly smiling, constantly happy. This is like the sort of person that you want playing games with, you know, that somebody who's just going to take it, have a cheerful expression, not get worked up over anything and just like, just enjoy the moment. That's kind of Jonah in a nutshell, really. So, you know, lovely person, lots of content. She's been doing this for quite a while. Look at that all sorts of stuff it is basically a big variety show she's got this kind of like doodle artwork style with the thumbnails puts a lot of effort into the show and i just find it criminal that it's not doing better and i wish i knew why i don't know why what what is it about this channel compared to other channels that means that this one shouldn't have like 10 times the subscriber count that this one does honestly i think it's a crime uh but then i maybe it's a social media thing i don't know perhaps it's like you know are you trending are you you know it actually does seem that way. The most popular trending channels are the ones who spend more of their time 
banging on about current affairs and politics and social politics and social commentary and stuff like that than it is actually about doing content for board games. That does seem to be the kind of shtick at the moment I'm noticing on social media. But then that's what gets a lot of views apparently. But uh, you know, this is a channel about board games and so is One Pit Wonder. Honestly, definitely check this channel out. Check out Jonah, show your support. Hashtag support small creators. So in terms of news, I want to look at some news now. And there's not much in the way of news, shall we say, over the last couple of weeks. Or not major news anyway. But there's a few little tidbits that I'm just going to comment on briefly before we get to the main thing. Because we do need to get onto that relatively soon. If not just for my uh, <laughs> headache, but also because there's other bits you want to do. So very quickly, we have got a Facebook image for uh, Reza Khanna. The Perle Imperi, or whatever that is, and I don't know what that means. This little baggage has witchcraft in it. Okay, that's apparently a quote. I, I have no idea. But it's an expansion to Res Arcana from Tom Lehman. I main reason I'm even talking about this is because I know a lot of Res Arcana fans. I'm not one of them. I don't think the game's bad. I just found it boring. It it kind of like felt like, oh look, this is kind of like playing Seasons in a mini version. So no dice, oh, that's a shame, but all right, fine. But it does feel a bit like Seasons, where you get a bunch of cards, you draft them, and then you combo them in some ways to get victory points. The thing is, Seasons does it a lot better. You know, Seasons looks better. It has, you know, the cool theme with the dice and the magic and that timer going around at different rates. It has better combo cards. You know, not just simply gain, like, turn X into X for victory points. There is actually some half-decent combo-rific stuff there. As I say, the... Seasons already did what Res Arcana is doing, and Seasons does it better. Now, that being said, people like Res Arcana, so you've got another expansion in the way. If this is a game that you like, then be excited, because you're going to get it. But I'm also a little bit easy on the whole Tom Lehman thing as well, because I remember a, a discussion that was, I think it was about a couple of years ago, where Rado did a review. Well, he didn't do a review. He did some like basic thoughts on the end of one of his videos about Res Arcana in general. And he generally liked the game. He gave it positive thoughts, but he did, like, you know, focus on, like, uh, there's a little bit of this take that element that I'm not a big fan of, and that because he's not a big fan of take that games and that. And it's like, that's cool. That's your opinion. You don't like that sort of thing that is prevalent in Res Arcana to some extent. I'm not a big fan of it either, but it doesn't kill the game for me. And, but fair enough, he gave his views. But I just remember a discussion between him and Tom where the discussion got a little bit harsh, where Tom seemed overreacted to the fact that he was focusing on this take that part of the game. It's like, I'm sorry, but designers, you need to accept that some people are not going to like your games and you need to accept that some people are going to be put off by other aspects of your games that some people won't. You know, he doesn't like this part of your game. Deal with it. He's not wrong for giving his opinion, and I will make this note to every designer in that. I mean, I gave um, Maglev Metro a 5 out of 10 on my review. I said, here's some stuff I like, here's some stuff I don't. I think it's a bit too rinse-repeat, it gets a bit boring very quickly. You know, I had my thoughts on the game. I don't expect Ted Allspark to suddenly come by and start shouting at me for giving it a negative review, because if it did, I probably wouldn't buy any more of the games, because seriously, designers need to have a bit more... Uh, can we say resolve than that? They need to be a bit more like conscious that not everybody's going to praise their game or something just because some designers get away with it with things like Gloomhaven and that. But then even then, there's haters of Gloomhaven. So even someone like that has to bear in mind that not everybody's going to like their game no matter how, how popular it is. So I just kind of remember that discussion from a couple of years ago and that kind of irked me, but not enough to not play Res Arcana, but the game itself is just not particularly interesting to me. 
So moving on to another game, we got Pandemic Puzzles. This is some new, like, it's kind of weird. I don't know if this is going to be like separate little games that they're releasing or, or it's just like going to be like downloadable content, maybe like PDFs. But basically, this is, in a sense, kind of like little scenarios for Pandemic Puzzles. So you get particular roles, cards in hand, infection rates and that, and you have to complete a specific task after one or more turns. There's various that I think they're on PDF, but I think I think that's how they're releasing it. I think it's just going to be PDFs. So, you know, you can basically say, right, download the puzzle, get it out of your components and go for it. It's a neat little idea. I mean, it breathes a bit of a uh, extra life in the pandemic, which is probably, well, I'd like to say losing its popularity, but clearly not. I mean, they will not let you forget the word pandemic. And But am I going to care about this? Not overly. Well, firstly, I haven't got this copy anymore. I've only got Pandemic Iberia, but I don't know. I don't know how much this would really improve the game for me or like change it up that much. But I mean, like I say, maybe these scenarios are pretty cool. If you're a Pandemic fan, I suggest you go to the uh, Z-Man Games website or the Pandemic Face Pandemic Facebook page and give these one a look. Maybe this is something for you. Uh, another one that's been announced recently, I think this has been in kind of development hell for a while, but I think there's more news on the My Hero Academia collectible card game. I think that's going to get previewed uh, at Gen Con this year, which is kind of half online, half physical and that. Now, I'm a big fan of My Hero Academia from the series I've watched. I've watched all four series on uh, Crunchyroll. I've watched the dub primarily because I think the dub voices are really good in it and I really like this series I even love the soundtrack to it I've got the soundtrack on my YouTube music playlist uh, to you know play usually at the gym or when I go running but I still really like the songs and You Say Run is one of the best anime soundtracks I've ever heard but I'm not that interested in the collectible card game though I mean I would certainly be interested in a game where I get to you know play my favorite characters from the show and you know have like Deku versus uh you know, Kachan, you know, I, I, I would be like, I really would enjoy a game that focused on that. The problem is, it's got those three words, collectible card game. Yes, that means buying boosters, that means buying, you know, specific decks, and then trying to get the rare cards and that, and it's like, I am done with this format. I do not care about this format. And so, if it was a living card game, I might have been more interested. If it was just a a bit like a summoner war scene you just bought the master set and you got the decks and that was it i'd probably jump on it but i've got no interest in a collectible card game format i think the collectible i mean it is lit there's no reason for a collectible card game anymore you know we've had magic great it's still popular fine we've had other collectible card games that have done well in the past but it's just in the light of modern board gaming i think the collectible card game format should have died already it's like it's just a cash grab that's all it is nothing but a cash grab there's no reason to do it other than just i want to make money and so you know it kind of puts me off in that respect but here as i say i'd be interested to see how well this does but don't expect me to be sort of jumping in on it with that kind of format uh speaking of living card games and that's apparently we have a upcoming uh cooperative and solo play uh, format for the Keyforge game. So basically these like free-to-play adventures in this expansion will use the themes and mechanisms for the Dark Tidings set that came out. Uh, but essentially you'll use your existing decks to tackle multiple difficulty levels as you you know encounter various scenarios and that. So here we've got the uh the Kareka the Kiraken Kraken. Seriously these key puns are gonna get very uh shall we say 
grating before the night is done. But, you know, like I say, if you're a fan of Keyforge, then maybe you'll get something out of solo and competitive, um, solo and cooperative play. Personally, I like Keyforge fine, but I never really got into it enough to like really go mad for it. So this isn't going to bring me back to the series. But, you know, Keyforge Adventures will be available as a free download um, available in late April, another one in May. So it's we seem to be on this thing now where companies are starting to give out free content for games in the light of the pandemic and that. So, you know, if you're a fan of Keyforge, then look forward to this. You might find it something you really enjoy. And then finally, really I'm not that caring about this one. Lost Cities is apparently getting a roll and write version. Yay. It's like, come on. Lost Cities is a great two-player card game already. Then they tried to make this full-on board game version, which didn't do anywhere near as well. And now I thought roll and rights were dying out, you know, and I was kind of glad of that because I'm getting sick and tired of the roll and write genre. But nope, apparently we got to jump in and make a roll and write version of Lost Cities as if we care. This isn't going to suddenly make me go, oh, Lost City sucks now that there's a roll and write version anymore. I've got the two-player card game. It's perfectly good. Why do I need this? I mean, it says two to five players, 30 minutes. So now it's going to be a bit like the board game, but with the roll and write format. It's like Lost Cities wasn't a game I wanted to play multiplayer in the first place. It's great as a two-player only game. That's how it should be. But this just feels, I mean... It doesn't even look interesting. I know this is probably early pictures or, uh, you know, prototypes and that, but whoopee. So I've got a pad that I cross out and roll some dice and do stuff. It's like, maybe it'll be fun-ish. But again, it's just going to be like every other roll and write game that exists. I am just done with this genre. I mean, in the space of what, like two years, it basically exhausted every innovative thing you can do with a roll and write. And so... Why do we keep bringing these out? Just let the genre go and start focusing on other things. As I say, maybe if you're a Roll and Write fan, you're going to go nuts for this anyway. But personally, whatever. If I get a chance to play it, I'll play it. But I'm not going to seek this one out specifically. Oh, well, fair enough. So, like I say, not the most positive in all the news. But as I say, there's been a bit dry lately with regards to new game announcements and that. So, you know, I'm at least going to report on them, even if I'm not necessarily looking forward to these ones myself. So, here's a nice interesting thing, the Dice Tower Awards. Now, I vote on the Dice Tower Awards each year because I'm part of that uh, Facebook group. We essentially get a bunch of games that we're allowed to suggest for various categories. We go on the Facebook group, we put our thoughts down, and then these votes get collated by Tom Basso and his gang, and then the nominations get announced, and then once the nominations are done, at some point in the future, we will vote on our personal favourites. So, I have not looked at the nominations on purpose, because I wanted to look at them for this podcast. So this is going to be almost like a reaction video in a sense. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through this page here with all the categories that are then go through the nominations and consider whether I think they're good nominations. Now, for some of these categories, I could probably guess half the nominations on there. But considering I wasn't a big fan of 2020 as a whole, it'll be interesting to see which games made the cut for some of these ones. And I hope that it's not just all focusing on one game and nothing else as a result. But it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, I purposely do not know what these are. When they got announced, I didn't look at the threads. I purposely did not look at them. So this is going to be completely new. So I'm just going to go through each one. I will read them out. If you're not watching this as a video and just listening to it as a podcast, I will read them out. So don't worry. So, first off, we must fuel with a bit of tea. Nice bit of chamomile tea, which is 
not entirely soothing the headache, but we'll uh, get it. It's it's kind of weird. It's it's I forget what they're called. Are they called tension headaches? It's not a headache where it's like you feel it all across your head. It's where it sort of focuses on one spot and just like constantly feels like a laser being like pointed at you. It's probably the most annoying type of headache. I can get by the normal ones, but these ones are just like ah, oh, they just keep stabbing you every now and again. But hopefully I'll feel better a bit later. But needs must. So, uh, don't, don't feel like I don't go through pain and suffering to give you content. So, what are we going to look at first? Let's look, uh, shall we start from the bottom? Let's start from, yeah, I want to get to Game of Year last. So, let's start with most innovative game nominees. So, we have The Crew, Forgotten Waters, Micro Macro, whatever that is. Oh, I've, I've seen the picture for that, but I don't know anything about the game. The Search for Planet X and Whistle Mountain. Ooh, that is interesting. I didn't expect Whistle Mountain to appear on there. I mean, it is pretty innovative in the way the Euro mechanics work. Um, certainly check out my review video for that. Search for Planet X, is that particularly innovative? I mean, it does use the app in a pretty good way, and it is an interesting deduction game. So, yeah, you know what, I'll go with that. I don't know where the innovation comes with Forgotten Waters, though. I mean, haven't we done this kind of spiral-bound book narrative adventure game before? Or I feel like Ryan Lockett's already kind of done that to death. Is it just because it has an audio narration? I don't know. But I wouldn't necessarily go mad on that. And I have no idea what Micro Macro is, so I can't comment on that. But three good games there that I would certainly pick. I would certainly, I would probably go first place for the crew. I think the whole idea of co-op and trip taking is a perfect combination for innovation. After that, probably Search for Planet X, I think I would choose as second most innovative for the way that works. And then Whistle Mountain, probably third. I mean, I do love Whistle Mountain the bit, and I do think that grid thing in the middle and the amount of replay value this has is very is really cool for a midweight Euro. But the most innovative thing ever probably wouldn't measure up to those two. Certainly is not going to measure up to the crew. Co-op trick-taking game, that's about as innovative as you can get. So, uh... I will put money that the crew will win this category. I would be hard-pressed for any of these others to win. All right, best welcoming game. A new category. I don't recognize that one before, but well, let's have a look. Best welcoming game. Whoa, okay. So we have got Calico, uh, the uh, cat game where you're putting the bed quilt together. Uh, the Isle of Cats. Okay, so welcoming is obviously cats. I mean, I like cats, so I've not got a problem with that. My City, the legacy game, Ryan at Canizia. Scooby-Doo Escape from the Haunted Mansion. I forget who did that one. Was that called Mini or not? Or was it, oh, no, Osprey Games or USAopoly. I forget who did that one. And Trekking the World. I have still not played Trekking the World. You know, I really need to find out more about that game. But, I mean, My City, welcoming? A legacy game? I don't know. I mean, legacy is something that I wouldn't throw in front of a new player anyway. Scooby-Doo Escape from the Haunted Mansion seems like they're just doing it because it's got the word Scooby-Doo on it. Uh, the Isle of Cats, I mean, it is nice. You know, you're rescuing cats and they've got lots of pretty little cats. It's probably a bit too much for a new game. I mean, I don't know if welcoming game is meant to be a uh, gateway level. It depends what they mean by welcoming. Like, welcome to the hobby, here's some games. In which case, I don't know if I would pick Isle of Cats specifically because that's more of a next step game. I think I would give this one to Coleco, actually. Um, I mean, I've reviewed Coleco. I gave it a 7. I think it's fine. I just think it's a bit too uh, push your luck for my liking, especially when you've got more players. But I found it cute. I mean, that's the thing. Coleco is a cute game. It's simple. It's got nice little cute little kitties. I mean, look at that little kitty on the front cover. Look at that little kitty. Oh, is it? Can, I, can I load in this one? 
Oh, I can't make the picture any bigger. I want to make it bigger. It's like, look at that cute little kitty. The cute little kitty. I'm a sucker for cats. But, yeah. So, I would pick Coleco in a heartbeat over these. Probably Isle of Cats second. I don't know enough about the other three games to really comment. But I would be surprised if Coleco didn't win this one either. So, yeah. I mean, I'm going to make my predictions here. I'm going to see how accurate my predictions are. Best two-player game nominees. Okay, so ooh, this is going to be a bit more tricky for me to comment on because I don't play a lot of two-player-only games. Cosmic Encounter Duel, which I've heard no buzz about at all. Uh, Curious Cargo. Uh, Fox in the Forest Duet, which I really do want to play, actually. Imperial Struggle and Undaunted North Africa. Hmm. The thing is, I've not played any of these games uh, because two-player-only games are hard for me to get to the table. You know, violin, single, bachelor. But... I've been very tempted by the Fox in the Forest, both the multiplayer version and the uh, two-player version. You know, um, when did we last talk about it? Was it Board Game Perspective or was it One Pit Wonder who talked to me about this one? I've got the impression it was Board Game Perspective that I was talking about this with. I don't know yet, but actually, no. No, it must have been Ryan and Bethany because we did a two-player list. It must have been Ryan and Bethany. But either way, uh, I digress. Out of these, though, I probably could not care less about Curious Cargo or Imperial Struggle. I've heard no buzz about Cosmic Encounter Duel. Cosmic Encounter is a great multiplayer negotiation game. The whole two-player thing of it, I just can't see two-player working. Undaunted is not a theme I'm interested in, but I've heard good things about the game. So I would personally... Well, I can't really say I would pick one because I've not played any of them. But if I wanted to say which one I'm more interested to play, it would be Fox in the Forest. So I'm going to make Fox in the Forest my prediction, even though part of me is thinking that Undaunted might take it. So, hmm, I'm going to I'm gonna say Fox in the Forest, but I've got a sneaking suspicion Undaunted would take it. Best theming. Now, this should be, oh my word, are you serious? Dune Imperium, Forgotten Waters, Mariposas, I forget how you pronounce that, the butterfly game, which doesn't really have much of a theme, but never mind. Pan Am. And super skill pinball. Maybe the pinball one feels like a pinball game. I don't know. Tom Bassel raised about this. But I'm sorry. Dune Imperium? Okay. Yes, I suppose it does reflect the Dune theme. But the Dune theme is dull. Okay, I like the game. It's on my shelf. But seriously, it's a barren desert planet with very bland artwork, you know. And it, it may, I suppose it reflects the theme. But come on, you could pick better themes. Forgotten Waters could qualify here. I don't get Mariposas and Pan Am, though. Really? Did Mariposas to you feel like it was a game about butterflies? It didn't feel like that to me. And Pan Am, I don't even know if that's uh, a, shall we say, a thematic game in that sense. I mean, I wonder, let me go to uh, Board Game Geek and have a look at Pan Am. Because I'm not convinced, shall we say. I'm not convinced. So Pan Am, Triumph in the Golden Age of Air Travel. Come on. Wow me. Wow me with your imagery. So you compete with American Airlines. I think we looked at this on a previous uh, top 10 list, actually. I mean, it. Uh, I mean, that's pretty striking looking board. I guess it's got a. I guess the theme's pretty good. Looks like Ticket to Ride with. Uh, ooh, expand your fortune. Uh, we're talking about stocks. Oh, well, we're not talking stocks here. I mean, this could be good. It's not something I would aim for, but I would try it out. But really? Uh, best strategy game nominees. On Mars, Beyond the Sun, Lost Ruins of Arnak, and Dune Imperium, and Praga Caput Regne. So 
With this, I mean, strategy is such a weird one when you talk about games that are strategy. I think heavy games, really heavy strategic games like on Mars, Dune Imperium is not a strategy game. Beyond the Sun, maybe I've not played it. Praga could count. Lost Ruins of Arnak, it's, I guess it's a strategy game, but there's more, it's not, it's, it's midweight. I wouldn't class it as heavy. I mean, if I was going to pick my favorite, I'd pick Lost Ruins of Arnak without a shadow of a doubt. But if I was going to pick one that I feel would be eligible, it'd be on Mars. But even then, it's too complicated for its own good. Therefore, I'm not sure if it would uh, work as such. So I don't know which one will win this. I mean, I'm I'm betting that Dune Imperium will probably win it just because everybody's on such a hype train for that. But I'd personally go Arnak. But then if I was to be serious, I'd probably have to say On Mars fits the category better. Best solo game, Dune Imperium, Dwellings of Eldervale, Lost Ruins of Arnak, Super Skill Pinball, and Underfolding Skies. I really need to give this pinball game a try. But... Dune Imperium has an okay solo mode in it. I like it, but I don't think it's as good as it... I mean, well, actually, no. Tell a lie. It's a good solo mode, but compared to what else is here, I don't know. I mean, Arnak is a good solo mode, but I wouldn't put it as my number one. It's really got to come down to Underfalling Skies and Dwellings of Eldervale. And personally, Underfalling Skies is probably my vote. I think it's like it's cheap, short simple but has a really cool theme and works really well as a solo game dwellings of eldervale has a great solo mode in it but you've got to get that whole box out set everything up learn these new rules and as i said in the review there's only so much differentiation between the various factions and the cards just because they're a different color doesn't mean that they feel that much different but it is a solid solo mode but there's a lot more involvement in that solo mode compared to underfalling skies so i would call underfalling skies as my personal choice but I reckon Eldervale is going to take it. Uh, best reprint. EU. Seven Wonders 2nd Edition, Eclipse 2nd Dawn, Fort, Project Elite, and Rococo Deluxe Edition. Now, I've not played Fort. I didn't even know it was a reprint. Uh, Project Elite does a good job of reprinting the game, but I've got problems with the game itself. Eclipse 2nd Dawn, it looked bland and horrible in the first edition. It still looks bland and horrible in the second edition. So you call that a reprint? Fail. 7-1 just didn't desperately need a second edition, so I'm not sure I would really vote for that one either, and I've not played the deluxe edition of Rococo, although it does look gorgeous, I will give it that. So I suppose I would give the expected winner and my vote to Rococo, based on what I've seen of the reprint. I mean, I don't think the game's that amazing, I think it's above average, but, you know, there are some fans of it, but have enough people played it to warrant winning this category? I don't know, but... It seems that we were a bit short on good reprints last year because I think Kanban was too late for eligibility for this category. Otherwise, it'd be Kanban EV without a shadow of a doubt. Best party game, Five Minute Mystery, Hughes and Cues, Master Word, Telestrations Upside Drawn, and Mysterium Park. I have not played the other four, so I'm just going to quickly go through this and say Mysterium Park. Although, to be honest, looking at these other ones, of course it's Mysterium Park. It takes a fantastic game and distills it to a 30-45 minute affair with, you know, more cool looking cards, nice compact box, good insert, great, you know, the great Dixit mechanic of Mysterium in a small package that you can play in less than an hour. What's not to like? Best game from a small publisher, Chai, Dune Imperium, Honey Buzz, Praga, Kaboot Regni, and Project L. What is this? What is so good about this Project L? I need to play this Project L. It came out, it was practically in secret, and everyone kept going on about it. But I've not played this Project L, and when I look at how it works, I'm like, what exactly am I missing here? What am I supposed to get excited about? But, like I say, gotta try it first. Chai, 
it's nice, but it's basically the most simple game I've played in a long time. Like, it is dirt simple, but it's nice and pleasant and cute. Uh, I wouldn't give it to Praga, no. Honey Buzz and Dune Imperium. I would give it to Dune Imperium. I think I prefer, I do prefer Dune Imperium to Honey Buzz as a game, but Honey Buzz looks nicer. It looks a lot nicer on the table. I mean, the production values for Honey Buzz completely dwarf Dune, Dune Imperium like crazy. So, but then that's not enough reason to say it's the best game. Which one do I enjoy and rate slightly better? Both of them I give an 8 out of 10. I would give the vote to Dune, and I reckon that the vote is going to go towards Dune. Uh, new designer, Beyond the Sun, Chai, Endangered, Fossils, and Arnak. Uh, without a shadow of a doubt, given that I have not played Beyond the Sun, this one would be Lost Ruins of Arnak. Chai is fine, but I wouldn't say it was like the best game from a new designer. Endangered is okay. I like it, but I wouldn't like, you know, I think it's average. Uh, Fossils, I've not played. Beyond the Sun, I haven't had a chance to play because it practically doesn't have any copies anywhere, not to mention it looks like a dog's dinner on a table. But yeah, Lost Ruins of Arnak, I mean, that's from a new designer. It's my favorite game of 2020. Of course, I'm picking Lost Ruins of Arnak. Best expansion, Chronicles of Crime 1400. That does not count. Uh, that is basically the same game re-released. Uh, Parks, Nightfall, Spirit Island, Jagged Earth, Unmatched, uh, Cobble and Fog, and Wingspan Oceana. Oceana has had mixed reviews, and I don't know anybody who's talking about Parks, Nightfall. I mean, is it just more cards? Chronicles of Crime 1400 is just the same game re-released. I mean, how is that supposed to count? Uh, and I've still not actually played Unmatched Coblin Fog. Is it a good game? You tell me in the comments. I would probably give this one to Spirit Island Jagged Earth. I have experience with Jagged Earth from playing Spirit Island multiplayer. And it is like a whole board game worth of content in this expansion. It gives you a lot of stuff in it. And it's like, to be fair, the stuff I saw from it was pretty good. I mean, I would like to get this... Well... If my copy of Spirit Island sings to me, then I would want to get this when it reprints. Best cooperative game. Hmm, let's have a look at this one. So we got The Crew, we got Endangered, we got Forgotten Waters, Marvel United, and Pandemic Legacy Season Zero. If The Crew does not win this one, I will be surprised. I mean, Endangered was good, I just didn't go mad for it. Not played Forgotten Waters, but I can't see this one getting... Uh, it's getting nominated a lot, but I just can't see it winning. Marvel United, did anybody like that game? I don't remember that many people going mad for Marvel United, although to be fair, we've had a bit of a, a shall we say, a lacking supply of co-op games lately. And I've got no interest in playing Pandemic Legacy Season 0. You'll have to check out the um, top 10 campaign games list for my reasons on that. But the crew, yeah, I'd give it to the crew, hands down. Innovative, short, simple, can teach it to anybody who's got any knowledge of trick-taking games. Great, great little idea. It's just such an innovative idea. Three more to go, and my head is really killing me. I'm definitely going to have to wrap this up soon. Apologies, but uh, that'll teach me to record a podcast um, with a headache. So, best production values. Dwellings of Eldervale, Honey Buzz, On Mars, Tang Garden, and Tidal Blades. Ooh, these ones do have some pretty good production values. So, it's hard to say because... You, you throw enough money at a game, you can make anything look good. In fact, these days, is actually, you need to give me an excuse why your game doesn't look good for how easy it is to make it look good these days. On Mars and Dwellings of Eldervale have got good production values, but they also cost over 100 quid, you know, you know, for the most part. And it's just like, you know what? I would expect the production to be good for these games. On Mars is really, really good production. Dwellings of Eldervale, how? 
has some easily scuffed boards, but it does have the game trays. The sound bases are a gimmick and they're not in the retail version of the game. And a lot of the resources that are upgraded are not in the retail version of the game either. So can I give that one the best production value given that the retail version doesn't have all the cool stuff from the deluxes? I would say no. Not played Tidal Blades. Looks cool, but I don't know if it's... Uh, I, I, I can't comment on it enough. Tank Garden was pretty good production though. I've got to admit, it had the, the standy houses. It's got the cool board. It's got the dividers around. I mean, Tank Garden would be tempting, but... I think I'm going to have to give this one a Honey Buzz. Honey Buzz, for the cost you pay for the game, wow. I mean, you don't even need the Deluxe Upgrade kit. It's not that necessary. The retail version of Honey Buzz, for the price you pay, is gorgeous. Such good artwork. Lovely components. It is just an absolute beauty. Elf Creek are knocking it out of the park when it comes to production values at the moment. And I think, like I say, the key word here is value. You know, is the production in on Mars better? Possibly, but then it costs more than twice the amount for the game. Honey Buzz, for the money you pay, absolutely beautiful production. I'd give it to that one. Speaking of which, artwork. Hang on, so Aoife Fields was an eligible eligible for this one. So how on earth did it not appear in the best theming earlier on? Oh, I was thinking that Effa Fields didn't work, but Effa Fields... Yeah, Effa Fields should have worked. How could... How did that not get into best theming? The theming in the effort fields, as much as I only gave it a 5 out of 10, is so much better than the stuff that was in that category. I need answers. How did this happen? I know I didn't vote for the others. Alright, effort fields, forgotten, Ar forgotten waters, lost runes, Varnak, oceans, and tidal blades. Ooh, this is tricky. Arnak does have some fantastic artwork. But then so does Everfields. And um, it's not like Forgotten Waters and Tidal Blades are bad lookers either. I wouldn't give it to Oceans though. I feel that was just trying to fill in the spot. Oh, that is tricky. I mean, Arnak is gorgeous. That's got really nice artwork on it. But would I put it as my number one? Probably not. Uh, the others, I would probably have to give this one to Aoife Fields. I mean, that box cover alone is gorgeous. But I got to admit. When I look through the rest of the cards in there, the grittiness, the dreams, and all that lot, the artwork is just really, really good. It is on point. It really portrays that theme. I would probably have to give this one to Everfields. And then finally, the game of the year. Right, let's have a look here then. Calico, The Crew, Quest for Planet Nine, Dune Imperium, Dwellings of Eldabel, Forgotten Waters, The Isle of Cats, Lost Ruins of Arnak, Viscounts of the West Kingdom, and Pandemic Legacy Season Zero. Ooh, I'm quite surprised that Calico managed to make the list, as well as Isle of Cats. Uh, ooh, which one do I think is going to win? Ah, uh, it's going to be either Dune Imperium or Dwellings of Eldervale, I think. I think it's going to be one of those two. I don't think Pandemic Legacy Season Zero will. I don't think Arnak will. And as much as I reckon the crew stands a good chance, I don't think it will. The rest won't win it. I don't think they've got enough popularity behind them. I mean, I really love Viscounts. I really love Lost Ruins of Arnak. My game of the year is Lost Ruins of Arnak without a shadow of a doubt. But I don't think enough people would vote with me on that. But there's no way Coleco, Forgotten Waters, Isle of Cats. And I don't think even Pandemic Legacy Season Zero. I don't think any of those four are going to stand a remote chance. I would like to see the crew possibly take it if it's going to be a public vote because of how innovative and unique it is. But... Is Dune Imperium just going to have that hype train behind it? I reckon Dune Imperium is going to take it just because of that train. You know, I think everyone is just so hyped up on it. As I say, it's great. It's not perfection, though. But as I say, 
just the way it is. So I would personally give it to Lost Ruins of Arnak, but uh, I think Dune Imperium is probably going to take this one. So yeah, that's it for me. I think it's time to wrap up this podcast. I've already got to edit two bits together because of that glitch earlier. And also, I think I need to um, go lie down because, I mean, you've seen me rubbing my head a lot this video. This headache is starting to get worse. I think I might have stressed uh, myself out a bit too much. But, you know, you wanted this. I can probably edit it later once I've recovered a bit and then get it out later tonight. Um, worst case scenario, I'll have it out on Monday. It just depends how I'm feeling, really. I do need to rest, I think. So I'm going to go and recover. But hopefully my headache didn't uh, make this podcast sound a bit too weird or anything like that. Hopefully, it, like, uh, you still enjoyed the content. And what are your thoughts on these uh, Dice Tower Award nominations? Do you agree with the choices? Which ones would you vote for? Is there a game? In fact, to be honest, rather than which one you would vote for in each one, I'm interested to know if there's a game that didn't feature in the categories that you think should have done. Like, Epperfields really should have been in Best Theme, and I don't know how it didn't make it. That is what I'm interested in. So, I want to know primarily that. Is there a game that we that got forgotten in these categories that you think should have been there? Let us know in the comments what you think. So, that's it for me. I'm going to wrap up this podcast episode. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel if you have not done already. Check out One Pit Wonder from the shout out. Check out all the small creators that I talk about. You know, small creators need more love than the big creators right now. It's time to, uh, you know, rise them up as opposed to just focusing on the big lot. Uh, especially when there's so much talent out there and so much passion that's getting forgotten. So hashtag support small creators, please do it. Don't forget to check out the 5% code in the description of all my videos for zatu.co.uk where you can get 5% discount off all the games in your basket. Honestly, if you need to buy some games and Zatu has stock, then do so and save yourself some pounds and pennies while you're at it. But that's it for me. See you on the next Broken Beeple video or podcast. Take care and remember, as always, it's only a game. I'm going to go lie down now.